0: Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. We have been looking at the Lord's Prayer piece by piece, breaking it down, breaking it down. And we finish with, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We end with a, a doxology, and we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But when, what we need to do now that we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer piece by piece, we have to then do the difficult thing. So it's easy for me to stand here and to tell you about prayer. It's easy for me to stand up here and say it's important to pray. Uh, it's another thing entirely to actually integrate prayer into your lives, to make prayer part of uh, part, part of a, a daily spiritual practice. And for us as Christians... Uh, it's important that we are spiritually nourished just as much as we are physically nourished. And part of where we are spiritually nourished is through is through prayer. And it's something that, it's almost something like breathing for the Christian. It's something that we need to do to live. And so we've been going through the Lord's Prayer not only to learn how to recite it at church or how to recite it at home, but we have to let the lessons from the prayer shape who we are. We have to let the prayer shape the Christian that we are in the process of becoming as well as shaping is how we approach God. And it's, it's funny <laughs> it's funny how sermons turn out. Sometimes you, you think about a sermon series, because this is a series we've been doing, and you think, okay, I want to definitely hit on this, 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 and this. I want to break this down into this type of prayer, and this type of prayer, and this type of prayer, and it's interesting, but once you start writing and praying and reading and studying and all that stuff together, how. The Holy Spirit kind of leads you in directions that you didn't think of. So we, for better or for worse, I guess, we're left with a series that we've, that we've finished. But organically, it seemed to just go better in this direction. So what we're going to do today is we're going to put all of the pieces together. We're going to put all the puzzle pieces of the Lord's Prayer together. And I think it's important to remember what we said all the way at the beginning. There's a theologian named J.A. Packer. He said that the Lord's Prayer is a crutch, a road, and a lesson. So we lean on it when we're weak and we need strength. We use it as a support. It's a path we take to where we want to go, and it's a lesson that shows and teaches us. So what we're going to do is we're going to pretend like we're going to have a final exam, which we're not. okay? And we're going to go over the Lord's Prayer as a whole, and then what we're going to do is talk about integration into our daily prayer lives. So first, we start off with our Father, In heaven. This sounds like a pretty easy one, right? We have been adopted as sons and daughters by God, we have been brought into God's family. We have been brought into God's family. He has loved us and redeemed us and has saved us and has made us his sons and daughters. And we call God Father. This is a relational term. And if we are God's children, if he is our Father, which he is through Christ, then that means we have become heirs to everything that he has prepared for his family, for his children. And this relationship of love that Jesus shares with the Father, that's what we are invited to share in as well. So all of what God has prepared is for us because we are heirs if we are in Christ, St. Paul says. And that's a really good thing. We have heirs of the promise, and the promise that we're heirs of primarily is the resurrection. The resurrection. Then we say, Hallowed be thy name. So we talked about how hallowing God's name is to know God as and to honor God as holy. As holy. Honoring God, hollowing His name, helps us to keep our lives in perspective. We said that it helps form our lives around God and God's mission for us. Then we said it helps us remember we're not about making anything huge out of ourselves. It's not about us, it's about God. And then when we honor God is holy we are honoring who god is and what god has done for us and that this is something that we are to celebrate and to remember that we think about the good things god has done for us where he's brought us how he's delivered us how god has saved us from sin then we talked about thy kingdom come where we're asking god's heavenly rule to be made complete on earth. So scripture shows us Jesus says repent the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, Jesus is here inaugurating the beginning of God's kingdom, but we still live in a fallen world. We still see tragedy on the news. We see mass shootings in synagogues, we see shootings in 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 malls. We have wildfires spreading through states, destroying people's homes and lives. We live in a world that is still enslaved to death. And because our world is enslaved to death, sin still reigns over us. So we are waiting for that moment in time when the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, when the kingdom of God finally is fully revealed, when all things that are wrong have been made right. Theologians call this the now and the not yet. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're asking for his heavenly rule to be made complete here on earth. And this kingdom as personified in Jesus is the announcement of the good news and how that good news frees us from enslavement to sin and death as the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts as we respond to the call of Jesus to repent and believe and to do do the work of the kingdom. So then we pray for his will to be done on earth as in heaven. So we talked about how God reigns from the heavenly throne. And this, these are all tied in together. And today is Christ the King, where we celebrate Christ's kingship over all things reigning from the heavenly throne. So we talked about in a sense that his kingdom has come and that Jesus is now presently reigning and ruling over all things. But what we're asking for his will to be done on earth as in heaven is that in concert with his kingdom coming to earth, that his heavenly will would come in full, that we would experience that too on earth. Now this is kind of seen by some as that means it's our job to bring about some sort of, of utopia. Uh, but this reflects, I think, modernist assumptions that we can all make the world a better place. And the history, I think, the 20th century has shown that we can't make the world a utopia or a better place because there's been <laughs> tens of millions dead in, 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 in war and people trying to do just that. So we pray that God would come and that his will would be done on earth. Not necessarily through legislation, but through his will being accomplished here and now by me, by you, by going out into the world and bringing and being the love of Christ to all people. And when we ask for God's will to be done on earth as it it is in heaven, we talked about how we're also learning to align our will with God's will. We are learning to push down, (laughs) right, the selfish parts of ourselves. We are learning to then embrace and turn what God is asking us to do. And it's, it's kind of like a marriage, right? There's, I said this to Shantae the other day. My, I said, you know, marriage, we haven't been married a long time, maybe three years. But I said, you know what marriage has taught me? And she says, what's that? And I says, it's taught me how selfish I still am sometimes. And it's it, it's kind of true, right? Marriage will teach you that. Being in a relationship for a long time will kind of bring that out. You s- hopefully will get to points where you realize kind of what you struggle with. It'll let you know who, you know, and, and then having to learn it to, okay, I, I understand this about myself. I understand that I can be selfish sometimes, so then what do I do? I have to then start doing the practices. I have to start turning that part of myself that wants just to think of only myself, and I have to turn that towards my wife and to loving my wife, and it's the same with God. We have to then turn that part of ourselves towards God, to love God It's an act of our will, aligning our will with God's will. Then we said in the Lord's Prayer, Give us as day our daily bread. We talked about how God will provide what we need to to live. God will provide so we can share with others, and God will provide as we do His will. And we talked about the prosperity gospel of the televangelists who will tell you that it is God's will for you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise all of the time. We talked about how that's a distortion of the real scriptural hope and promise that God will take care of us. And we also talked about when we said, give us this day our daily bread, how the children of Israel are fed in the wilderness by the manna from heaven. And Jesus is, he says, I am the bread from heaven in John's gospel. So just as the Israelites were fed with that heavenly bread, we are fed with the bread of heaven too, Jesus Christ. And so we, we do that when we come before the Lord's table. Then in the Lord's Prayer, we said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We talked about how sin piles on us and it can weigh us down. And I use credit card debt sort of as a metaphor. You know, when you swipe the card, if you don't make the payments, you still have to pay for it. And then you get a little bit of interest and that can add and add and add and add and add until you are flustered and frustrated and don't know what to do and I think sin is like that every act we sin is kind of like a swipe of the card now you can push that metaphor too far but I think it's a a helpful example and we talked about it when we about this was the parable of the servant the unjust servant so this one servant he owed 10,000 talents to the king and the king's like all right I'm gonna have to you know sell you sell you to slavery to pay the debt and he fell on his knees he's like please he doesn't ask him to forgive the debt. He says, just give me more time, right? Like in a, in a movie where they got the guy tied up in the chair. You owe us money. Where is it? I promise? I'll have it tomorrow. They're like, no, you won't give it to us tonight. No, it, it's kind of like that, but he doesn't ask to be forgiven. He asks for more time to pay it off. And the king goes, you know what? Your debt is wiped. It's forgiven. You're good. We're, 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 we're fair and square. And the guy goes off. And then he meets somebody who owes him I think it was uh, 100 denarii, which was 100 days wages, basically. Right? So he has this huge amount of debt that no one could ever repay. And then somebody else owes him a small amount of money. And the same thing happens. The guy says to the, the unjust servant, give me more time. I'll pay you back. And what does the unjust servant do? He's like, oh, no, you won't. I just, I don't know why. Takes him by the ear and twists it. Man, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's how, that's how I picture it anyway. He's like, let's go takes him to the jail, throws him in. The king hears about this and says, dude, I forgave you 10,000 talents and you couldn't forgive this dude's 100, 100 days wages? Guess what? You owe me. I'm reinstating that debt and throws that guy into prison, the guy that he had initially forgiven. And we talked about how that's what sin is like. That's what the debt of sin is like. And so when we repent, when we turn to God and ask us to, be, to forgive for forgiveness and help us to be aware of our sinful inclinations. We talked about how unforgiveness cancels or obscures the self-awareness that we need to ask for our own forgiveness because it's really easy, and you probably know this, brothers and sisters, it's really easy to justify yourself sometimes, especially when you do something you know you probably shouldn't do. Well... <laughs> I'll just use something from, I know I shouldn't eat that burrito again. I'll tell you a story. So one day I went to Chipotle, right? And I went and I I had this huge burrito. It was delicious. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if you've been there. They're like this big and this thick. And after I finished it, I thought to myself, you know what? I could use another one. So I, this was not recently, okay? (laughs) This was a long time ago. I got up, I went back to the counter, and just as I was about to order another burrito, I was like, you know, I really shouldn't do this. And, uh, and then I started thinking about my family, and like some of the health issues of my family, and some of the problems some of my family has had. And it helped me to make a good decision. I was like, you know what? Uh, as much as I really want this second burrito, and as much as I really believe that I can just cram it into my stomach, Maybe I shouldn't have that burrito. And so I stepped away from the counter and I went and I sat down. And ultimately, it was probably a good decision. But if I didn't have that awareness, I never would have been able to say to say no. And it's kind of like that with repentance. When we sin, when we don't forgive others, it sometimes makes us unable to do the reflection that we need on ourselves to go before God and ask for the forgiveness that we need. When we realize that God has forgiven us, we can then extend the same forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. And then lastly, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, which is what we talked about last week. We said God is not the source of temptation or evil. We talked about how being tempted is not a sin. We talked about temptation occurring when we are lured and enticed by our sinful desires. We also talked about how this could be a reference as well to asking God to keep us from a time of testing. Ultimately, we're asking God to protect us and keep us, that when we experience evil, we can be rescued from it. And some translations say, deliver us from the evil one. So we're also asking that Jesus' triumph over the evil spiritual rulers of the world, that God would deliver us from those as well when we ask. So now that we've had that brief review, I want you to reach under your seat. There's a Scantron and a pencil, and we're going to have a... No, we're not going to do that. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, so putting it all together. So notice how this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it, 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 as an outline, it actually pretty much covers a lot of things. And it Notice it starts with God. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Starts with God. And then what does it end with? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So the prayer starts with God and the prayer ends with God. So our prayers should start with God, should begin with God, and end with an invocation and a doxology to God as well. doxology is a response of praise. So we start off with, we are praying to the God as revealed to us in Scripture, which is why when we have services here, I always open and close the service and the prayers throughout the service, we invoke the Trinity. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. We are invoking the name of God. We are invoking God to be here, to be present in our service with us. And when we pray, that's how we begin. And when we pray this, we then can, in our prayer life, use this to reflect on God's goodness, His holiness, and His love towards us. Then we acknowledge we are here to do God's will and to train ourselves to listen to His will through, through this, through coming to church, through hearing the Word, through prayer, through the reading of Scripture, through coming to the Lord's table, All of these help us to align our will with God's will, to train ourselves. Then we ask, after we've acknowledged God, after we've acknowledged that we are here to do His will, then we move on to us. Then we move on to our needs after this. And it's okay to ask God for things that you need. Don't be afraid to be specific. But remember, Scripture also says, sometimes our prayers aren't answered the way we want because we're not asking with the right motives. Motives shaped by how aligned we are with God's will. Then we repent of the sins we've committed. We have to acknowledge them, right? David in Psalm 51, one of the things he says is, I acknowledge my sin and it is always before me. Against you alone have I sinned. What is evil in your sight, I have done. Right, so with what David did, he says, It's always before me, it's always there. So he's acknowledging its presence, he's acknowledging its power. And when we pray, we can acknowledge that too, and then we can repent of the sins that we've committed. And then that lets us, brothers and sisters, lift up those who have sinned against us, or even with those we have sinned against. And then in our prayers, we ask for God's leading and guiding us every day. We ask him that we not be led into being tested, but then we also acknowledge in our prayers if we are tested that God will deliver us from it and make a way of escape. And then we ask for deliverance of the evil one, and then we close by acknowledging God's good sovereign rule over all things. So notice that pattern there, right? So the whole reason why I've done this, this series, is is to give you the tools Right? to help you identify how to pray. So you can use the Lord's prayer yourself, like what we do in services. We're going to pray it in just a few minutes. Pray it yourself. He's too little to understand, but one of the things I do with Isaac every day is when he wakes up in the morning, I pick him up from his little crib, I change his little diaper, and then I hold him, and then I say, pray. And he knows enough to go like this. And then he immediately lets go, because let's face it, he's 20 months old. (laughs) So what we do is, the first thing we pray is we pray the Lord's Prayer. And then after we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray the Apostles' Creed. And after we pray the Apostles' Creed, we do, because by this time he's squirmy, (laughs) right? He's 20 months. We pray for Mommy and Daddy and the family and everything. And then we read some books, and then I go downstairs and give him breakfast. But what I'm trying to do is, uh, I'm trying to instill in him now patterns and that brothers and sisters for us is how we if we're struggling in our own prayer life as adults that's how we can learn to pray too by using the lord's prayer by praying that and then by using that as a pattern the things that the prayers deal with we can then take that and we can use that pattern in our own lives and model our own prayers after it so we're not just stuck just praying that prayer but what we can we use it to kind of help enhance our own prayer lives, if that, makes, if that makes sense to you. So for this, we have to have a rhythm in our day, right? We have to start to create space, and we have to create time, because all of this is great, but if we don't integrate it, then we won't grow. If we don't integrate what we're learning here at church, we won't grow. We have to set time. We have to be consistent, and here's the thing, sometimes when people talk about prayer, they get really, this is me anyway, you get really revved up, and you say, okay, I'm going to write a, have a prayer rule. Here's my prayer rule, and you write like a very strict prayer rule. I'm going to pray this, and this, and this, and this, at this time, this time, this time, and structure it really, like a lot throughout the day. And then you go, and you make it through one day, and the next day you're like, ah. And then you give up on your prayer rule, because you try to do too much at once. So... What you need to do is start small. Set set space, set time. Start small. Because what you want to do is you want to start setting the pattern that you can then build on the rest of your life. And the more you do it, the easier it is to come before God at those times. And our tradition, the Christian tradition, we have a pretty robust history of prayer. Right. Traditionally, you can pray three times a day, morning, before, morning, afternoon, night, and just before bed. And you can use that to create space, to create rhythm. Even in the afternoon, if you're at work, even if it's just a minute out of your lunch break, taking a step back from your desk and just stopping and spending five minutes praying the Lord's Prayer, praying the Jesus Prayer, praying a psalm, praying spontaneously to God, carving out little bits of time throughout your day because brothers and sisters let's face it we live in a world that is bound to death and to sin and so our attention is constantly being taken by other things and so prayer is what helps us turn our hearts back to God it helps us focus on God you don't have to have marathon prayer sessions every day you just have to start create rhythm You can use spontaneous prayers, a prayer book, scripture, all of these things. These are all tools. And I think the best tool to begin is the Lord's Prayer and then what the Lord's Prayer has taught us how to pray. Because then what we can do is respond appropriately here at church uh, and in, in our own lives. So that is all for this series praying like jesus Uh, if you have missed any of it you can go back and listen to it on our our podcast page or on our soundcloud page and essentially what i've done over the past like what six months is essentially we've all been re-catechized because we taught through the apostles creed we've taught through the lord's prayer so you are all essentially kind of if you've been here for all of them you've been re-catechized so yay give yourself a nice little (laughs) pat on the back welcome all right good job good job So as we move into Advent, what I'd love for you to do is then use what we've learned, particularly in the series on the Lord's Prayer, to bolster your own prayer life. Add something to your spiritual practices during Advent. Because like today, we talked about Christ is King. And next Sunday, we move into Advent where we celebrate Christ's initial coming. And in Advent, it's a little bit of a penitential time where we we pray, some people fast, whatever. But we're turning trying to turn our hearts to christ so that when we celebrate christmas we receive him in his fullness and his glory and so to our lord and savior jesus christ be all glory together with his father who is from everlasting and his all holy good and life-giving spirit amen thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone united church of christ we have deep roots here in our community and we predate the founding of the united states itself If you're looking for a traditionally grounded, biblically faithful church, come visit us. We just might be the church you're looking for. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com. Please be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com. And check us out on Facebook at ZionstoneUCC. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.